then I benefit from that word. But it can be raining here and not here. You've got to stand underneath the rain. You've got to receive it. Some of you think that just because God is speaking all the time, you are hearing all the time. Make sure that you are hearing what God is saying to you right now. Don't do your traditions. You're going to have to be. You're going to have to go slower. James 1.19, What does it say? Be slow to speak. Quick to listen. And slow to wrath. Somebody Go ahead, read that out. James 1.19. Somebody read it out. It says, be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to wrath. Go ahead. You have it. James 119. 119. It says there. Now, if you're getting angry today, then you're not listening to God. This is three steps. The first step is speak slowly. You know, I'm, I'm, if I'm training you, I'm going to test you. I'm going to monitor the time between the time I talk to you and I'm going to look at your face and I'm going to see if you're going to listen to me or you're going to interrupt me or you're going to be anxious to say something while I'm speaking. If you can't keep your mouth shut then that tells me something about you. You've got to be slow to speak. You've got, you got to understand God knows everything. He is truth. If I am speaking, I should be speaking the oracles of God. I shouldn't be speaking what I think about you. I should be speaking what I what the Holy Spirit is revealing to me about you. 
And the purpose of that is that you come to repentance. It's not because I'm going to tell everybody in the church or that I'm going to run you down or I'm going to say something evil about you. Everything God does, He's doing it so you come to repentance. So you don't need to answer quickly and defend yourself. If you do, it'll get worse. You might say, but I had to come from far. Then I'm going to say to you, why didn't you get up early before the devil gets up? Amen. You understand? I'm going to answer you. I'm going to, you can't come up with an excuse. You never excuse yourself from your bad behavior. You just write it down. I have a sin list. You need a sin list. If you really want to get to the root of sin, you need to get, you need a sin list. That means anything you're doing that is contrary to God's perfect will that the Spirit shows you. Now, Please make sure you understand the definition of sin now. I don't care if you have Bible verses. If the spirit grieves in your heart, you are sinning. You're not going to go anywhere and convince anyone you're not sinning. When the spirit grieves in your heart, that is the evidence you just sinned against God. We are not going to be lawyers in heaven. We are not under the law. We are under the spirit now. So it's no good quoting me verses and telling me you didn't sin. Doesn't work that way anymore. Now we are we have the Holy Spirit in us. He is the teacher. He is the one who's trying to help us. But he's also trying to lead us into all truth. So we we're not under law anymore. Which is better because we're under the Spirit. So nobody can say, I don't know what the truth is. Once you're convicted, you are guilty of sin. Then you write it down. If you're keeping a sin list, you need like, Four different sections, Uetaga, I believe. You know, and initially you should have one section of like just sermon notes and Bible reading and whatever you're doing. But that's like you can read many things. You don't have to necessarily keep a section, but you know, you can read many books. But in those books is not what you need right now. And a second section should contain only the things that the Holy Spirit is saying now. We call that the living word. If you get convicted 
the spirit is like telling you you're wrong then put it in section 2 not section 1 section 1 is like the, the written word this is the written word if you study this bible with your mind you will die it's a, it's a good book. But if you try to analyze it with your mind, you will die. The way you read this book is you open it, you ask God where to start reading, make sure you're in the spirit. If you can't read, give the book to somebody else. Ask them to read it to you. Then believe by faith that within the pages of what they're reading, the Spirit is going to jab you. It's going uh, to hit you. And that's your message. You don't need to tell anyone. You don't need to confess it to the pastor. If you have a sin list, that information goes in section 2. Because that's a specific sin for you. Now, it's not by your mind. If you read it with your mind, you won't see it. You'll probably say, say, ah, that's not my problem. But when you read it, when it's being read to you, as the person is reading, the spirit pierces your heart. And you feel uncomfortable. This will happen to you as long as you don't harden your heart to the Holy Ghost. You mustn't harden your heart to the Holy Spirit. You must not harden your heart to the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your heart should be soft. So that whenever you get something that's not from God, you feel going to feel pain. This is pain by the Holy Spirit. Now, don't panic. In the presence of God is fullness of joy. And at his right hand is pleasures forevermore. So you see, God has a medicine for you. On one hand, we have to have daily repentance. We have to have daily conviction of sin. But God has given us medicine. The joy of the Lord. And we get that by being in the Spirit. By being in His presence. Some of you, when you come to church, I see you dancing, and you're enjoying yourself, you And you feel the Spirit on you, but I can tell you're stressed. But when you start singing, it's kind of, you can see the medicine working. I can see the burdens being lifted. But then when you leave this place, the burden comes back again. See, you get the idea. 
But you can be in the presence of God all the time. The only thing that separates you from his presence is your sin. Sin separates. If you can repent, that sin will come back again. But if you don't repent, it will come back again. Sin is what's causing you to be miserable. You know, people blame the devil for a lot. The devil's going to have a court case against many Christians. Because he's been accused of many evil things. He doesn't mind that. As long as it kind of builds his credibility as a as a giant or a big guy. Because he wants to appear like the roaring lion. He wants to appear big and nasty. But the devil is is nothing. The Bible says the devil is like a flea. I mean, he is nothing. He's been defeated. But Jesus is the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. So you see, that, but the devil is going around and people spend more time casting out the devil and fighting the devil than they do talking to Jesus. Something's wrong, you understand? That's not a spiritual person. A spiritual person knows his problem is sin. Tell your neighbor your problem is sin. That is the problem. So if we can deal with sin properly, the devil can't come and mess with us. And then we can learn to abide in Christ. And then the devil can't get us out because we've dealt with sin. The devil is like, he, he, he picks on weak people. You He's like a roaring lion. He relies on you being afraid of what he looks like. He, he, he relies on if he makes a loud noise, you run the other way. And then the, the female lions, they're waiting to kill you. It's fear that kills you, not the devil. So the devil it goes around like a roaring lion. So some of you listen to the devil more than you do God. That's why you're dying. Stop listening to the devil. Yes, rebuke him. But, but, but read what James 4 says. He tells me in James chapter 4 Resist the devil And he will flee from you No, it says first of all submit to God Then resist the devil And then he will flee But then you read the whole of James And you see in James chapter 4 He says Cleanse your hands, you sinners. 
tells you you've committed spiritual adultery. This is the real problem. The devil only came around because you invited him. You put all that shit in front of him and he likes shit. You see, the devil is like a fly. He, he likes smelly stuff. And you've got that in your life. That's why the devil keeps coming. So clean yourself up. Cleanse yourself. This is what James says. Cleanse yourself. And then if you're clean, then the devil's not going to come. This is a serious message. So, Please understand what repentance is all about. It's not just saying you're sorry. And you need to get to the root of sin. You're going to feel uncomfortable. It kind of gets worse and worse as you go down. A three-stage, a basic three-stage process is like this. You, you, uh, first of all, you get conviction. Then you feel godly sorrow. Like a feeling of betrayal. But then after that comes what we call the heaviness of sin. And, and you're starting to see the consequences of the sin. Now, if you go through this process, you won't sin again. You know, people just don't want to think about their sin. They say, well, Jesus died for me on the cross. He paid the price. So I don't need to look at my sins. Well, Jesus died. And the Bible says that he forgives my sins. As far as the east is from the west. Amen. He forgets about my sin. As, far as the east is from the west. So I'm glad he forgets about my sin. But I don't want to forget about my sin. All my children all learned good repentance. I taught them personally. And when they sinned against God or sinned against the house in they had to sit in a room or sit on the stairs. And they weren't going anywhere until they understood what they did that was wrong. And you're going to sit there. You're going to be quiet. You're going to be there for half an hour, at least half an hour. Even if you say, I'm sorry, you're still going to sit there. And when I'm going to come back in half an hour, and I'm going to ask you why you did that. You understand? I did that to help my children. So that when they sinned, they looked at themselves. And they realized that was the reason. I just wanted that. I was selfish. I allowed something to control me other than God. 
You know, and then they were able to repent. But if you don't take 30 minutes, I mean, 30 minutes is a short time. But if you don't take at least 30 minutes, you cannot repent. You need to be still before God. You need to see how shallow you are as a believer. When I was doing this, I felt bad for at least several months. I mean, it was, well, it was about a month and a half. Two, nearly two months. I felt sick. I didn't feel happy about my Christianity. I was lukewarm. I was calling him Lord but he wasn't Lord of my life I read that scripture in Matthew 7 and verse 21 says, says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only those who do the will of the Father in so that was enough to shake me. But then I read the scripture where it says, In the last days, many will come and they will say, Lord, Lord, have we done all these things in your name? Have we prophesied? Have we cast out devils? Have we done marvelous works? And Jesus will say to those people, Depart from me, you, you worker of iniquity. Amen. I never knew you. The word iniquity is a serious word. It means that you have you are just doing things yourself. It means you have departed from the truth. This is how Webster defined it. A great man of God, okay? Defined it like this. It means departing from the truth. It means that one time you knew the truth. You know, you, you can't commit iniquity unless you're born again. You have to have the Spirit of God in you. You have to know the truth by the Spirit. When you know the truth, you received it at First, because you were wretched, you were trapped in sin, and you needed that truth. And you received it with gladness. But then afterwards came the cares of the world. And you said, I need to make money. I need to do my business. I can't do this, all this. So you started cutting corners. You started making excuses. You started watering down the truth. You living by the precious promises of God. And your mind is getting stressed. And now your mind is so full of information. You are trapped. Your prison is your mind. 
you cannot do anything without analyzing it with your mind. Now. But the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 3. Verses 5 and 6. Says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart like a little child. Do not lean to your understanding. But in everything you do, ask God. And He shall direct your path. Now, God is faithful even when we're not faithful. I cannot claim. Ask God every little thing. I, try, I mean, any little thing. Where I stand, what I do, what I eat, where I go, what I wear. I'm doing everything I do is led by the Spirit. Even what time I get up in the morning, what I eat for breakfast, where I sit. Everything that I can know that I have any power over, I refuse to lean to my understanding. I refuse. Do you realize how hard that is for me? Do you realize how hard that is for me? I have a basic degree, a doctorate degree. I have a, I'm a very educated man. I'm an engineer. I was one of the top, top engineers in my country. I even worked on the line between London and Paris, the one that goes under the sea. You understand? Amen. I mean, even the Prime Minister read my report. I'm a serious engineer, you understand? The engineer. But when I came to Christ, I had to just become like a little child. Which means I don't think. I just trust. I say, Heavenly Father. I don't know what to do. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? I mean, you, you understand, for me, that's been very difficult. Maybe that's the reason why God had to drop a rock on my head. Here. You can all see I've lost the hair in the middle of my head there. That's really hit me. Okay. But you see, there's two ways to be broken. Two ways to what be broken. The Bible says, either you fall on the stone and be broken, or the stone falls on you. So you choose. If you humble yourself today, if you admit that Jesus Christ is not Lord of your life, if you will come out with a confession and stand here and tell everybody, tell God, Jesus Christ is not Lord of my life, you tell it. You humble yourself. You humble yourself. Do it. That's the easy way. Maybe embarrassing, but it's the easy way. And then God, will, 
he won't crush you. But the Bible says if you don't do it that way, the rock will fall on your head. And if that happens, you'll be ground to powder. So you choose. You know, you don't really want to go the hard way. You want to go the easy way. Just become like a little child. So even when we're not asking God every little thing, let's say. Still God directs our paths. So you don't get that direction without asking God little, little things. The Bible says if you're faithful, little, you'll be faithful in much. So start with the little things. I told you in the first session, you're supposed to not go shopping unless the Holy Spirit tells you. You've got to slow down and not do anything without first hearing from God. Some of you don't know how to hear God. But you've got to slow down. You've got to keep your mind still. When I was repenting, you know, I have my sin list there. The first part, like I said, is all the sermon notes. But then the second section was specific things. And I was making a note of every scripture that was coming to my mind. Now, this is the normal function of a Christian. If you have no sin between you and God, in other words, you have all your sins are covered. You know, you play abracadabra and witchcraft in your country. You, you play games. You say, you say things like, we put the blood of Jesus on this and so on. You have no authority to put the blood of Jesus on anything. The Bible says that Jesus Christ sprinkled his blood once and for all. Not on anywhere on this earth. In the heavenly realms. In the heavens. You don't have authority to go there. Except when you die. Do you want to die early? If you go around putting the blood of Jesus on your head. Or blood of Jesus on somebody. You are of a lying spirit. You learned that from some demonic teaching. That is not from God. That's from some, some kind of charismatic fool. He's maybe a bishop. He has foolish teaching in him. You don't have authority to put the blood of Jesus on anything. In the Old Testament, yes, they put the blood on the doorposts. But that was on the blood of animals. We are not of that spirit. We have the blood of Christ. And if you want to benefit from the blood of Christ, you don't go around sprinkling it on people. 
not stressed. So then the Spirit can drop a verse in your mind. I'm telling you the truth now. Listen. John 14, 26. Somebody read it out. Tells you the Holy Spirit will be your teacher. John 14, 26. Go ahead. John 14, 26. 20, verse 26. Yokana Kuminanya vidim Mukaga. Nay omubezi Omoyo Mutuku Vichitange. Nabagamba. So it says here, but the comforter which is the Holy Spirit. Whom the Father will send in my, he shall teach you all things and bring things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. When Jesus was on the earth, he said many things. He was only there for three years teaching his disciples. He said a lot of things. And they didn't have to try and remember what he said. The Holy Spirit kept bringing those thoughts back to their mind. This is the normal operation of a true believer. You don't, it's, it's something going to happen every day. This is healthy. Spiritually healthy now. You don't have to read the scripture. You just relax and the scripture comes to your mind. And this will not work if you haven't read the Bible. You see, some of you have been lazy. You're waiting for the white man to come and give you a free Bible. Or you, or you've never read the whole Bible. So that's not going to happen. Because it says here, he will bring back to your remembrance what he said. Well, you have the word. You have the words of Jesus. But they're not going to come back to you if you don't read them. So some of you are stupid. You sit there and you spend money on other things, but you won't spend money on a Bible. If you have a free Bible in your house, it is a curse. You never have a free Bible in your house. It is a crime to have a free Bible. The Bible is the most important book. It's more valuable than any other book. So if you have a free Bible in your house and you never paid a price for it, then you need to come and put some money down here today and save yourself. You cannot have a free Bible. It's a sin. It's a crime. 
There are many people who don't have Bibles. And they have to suffer. They're in prison. They're in prison. because they preach the gospel. So they have to remember the verses. And what they do is they write down what they remember and pass it to the next person. Because they want to read the Bible, they don't have Bibles in prison. You, you have access to the Bible. You can go and buy one here. So you're a lazy believer. If you have a Bible, at home. And you have never read the Bible. Don't invite me to your church. I do not go to churches where they do not read Bible. Do you know how much it costs me to be here? It at least cost me a thousand dollars to come to Africa every time. And how much is it going to cost you to get a Bible? I don't know, let's say $20. Let's just say $20. So which one is better? Is my teaching better than Jesus' teaching? Which or is Jesus the better teacher? I think Jesus is a better teacher. So therefore it costs you $20 to hear him and $1,000 to hear me. And when I go back home, my wife's going to ask me. She's going to say, what did those people in Kampala, what did they do for you? I saw you spent $1,000. And you went there to help them. Did they give you something? Did they feed you? Did they give you some money so we can buy bread? And if I say, no really, she'll say, don't go there again. Those people are lazy people. Do you understand? I'm just saying what my wife will say. You understand? She's going to ask me, what, what offering did they give you? You know, I mean, maybe you say, well, we want to give you some clothes. I don't need clothes. I need money for food. I've got to feed my children. You understand? So I'm relying on you. So think about that the next time you invite me. But if you don't have a Bible, then you're missing out on the best teacher. So make sure before the end of the year that you at least read the New Testament. Because if you don't do that, I'm not coming back to your church. I'm wasting my time with you people. Because you're not listening to the best, best teacher. But a fruit that you've read the Bible, your mind is still, you're in the spirit all the time, verses of scripture are going to come to your mind. Okay? And you need to write them down. So if you have a if you have your sin list, the first section is what we call the written word. The second section is what we call the living word. 
You need to know the difference. One will tickle your ears, the other one will hurt you. I'll say that again. The, the written word will only tickle your ears. It will not change you. But the living word will pierce your heart. And that's how you know the difference. So make sure you don't mix those two up. You know, so write section two. In section two, you put any scripture that comes to your mind. You write it down, you put a date there. Then at the end of the week, don't do it immediately, do it at the end of the week. Spend some time with God. Slow down. Then say, Holy Spirit. Look back over the verses. Look back at what God said to you that week. And see what subjects he's bringing up in your life. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe it's the love of money. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe you, you get angry. These are sins. And they have to go as a separate sin. So this would be like section three. If you're, if you're making notes. It's fine to put it in section two. But somewhere you need to have clear understanding of what your sin is. So if you're always getting angry, for example, and every time you get angry, you put another entry. In that page. And when, when you've really repented, you won't get angry again. When the Holy Spirit shows you something, about the reason why you get angry, you put it in there. And you keep going until you finally see why, what is the root of all your anger. And when you confess that out, and you be honest, that's the real root reason why you've been angry all these years. Then you will stop getting angry. You will, stop. And you will have a clear record. And you'll be able to have a testimony of what you did. One person came to me one time. He had a problem with with smoking. And he came to me and he asked me to pray for him. And God took away the desire for smoking. You understand? Fact, I don't think I even prayed for him. He just got that on his own. Okay? But God took away the, the, the desire for smoking. Okay? And I told him. I said, that's coming back. That, that desire for smoking is coming back. 
unless you repent, unless you get to the root, why you believe the lie, why you thought it was okay to smoke, because Satan lied to you and you accepted the lie. You allowed the fear of something to control you. You need to understand this process. What keeps you bound is lies and unbelief. You will never overcome sin until you get to the root of sin. So let, let me try and give you another illustration that may help you. Because Somewhere you need to get the victory over sin. When you have, like, judging, for example. Okay. When, when you have, somebody's got a cell phone on somewhere. Anyway, when you are judging, you are making a decision yourself. You are being the judge and jury of somebody else. The reason you do that is because you believe that it's okay to be Lord. Because for you to be the judge, you also have to be the boss. You have to put yourself above the other person. So you have to exalt yourself in order for you to judge your brother. So why are you doing that? Because you have been listening to demonic spirits. That's what Satan did in the beginning. He, he said, I will be like, like God. And God is the judge. So you've been listening to Satan. You should never judge your brother. You have no authority. You only have authority to save yourself. If your brother sins, you can share with him what the Holy Spirit is saying. If that's not enough, then you take him to somebody else who has more wisdom than you, who has a better ability to hear God than you. Because if you were wise enough, you would have said the right thing and it would have set that brother free. And the brother would have come to repentance. But you didn't speak the right word. So God could not use you. There was still something in that brother. Something something in that sister. Some lie. That that person was believing that you didn't catch. But if you were sensitive to the Holy Ghost, he would tell you to share a testimony and then it would release that brother and release that sister. And they would come to repentance. 2 Peter 3.9 please, please read it out. 2 Peter 3.9 we're talking about repentance. Hello. We're talking about repentance. This is another sign that you're really repenting. What was the first one I mentioned? 
Scripture come into your mind. Now we're going to read another verse. It's another fruit of true repentance. 2 Peter 3.9. Can somebody read it out? I hope everyone's listening. God says he is not slow concerning his promises. Do you know what DHL stands for? It means delivered in his love. God is wanting to deliver his promises to you. He is trying to get the promises to you. But he can't get them to you because you've not repented. To you, God is slow. And you are having to have these prayer meetings where you keep telling God what he ought to do. And you spend your whole time shaking the building trying to pull the blessings down because you have not learned good repentance. Somebody who is in a good state of repentance the blessings are coming to his life at high speed. The one who is not good at repentance the blessings are either stopped or they don't come or they come very slowly and to you God is slow and you're always trying to get him to do something. The problem is repentance. The Bible says God is not slow concerning his promises. As some people count slowness. But he is long-suffering, gentle, and kind. Wanting everyone everywhere to come to repentance. So until you come to repentance, there's a block on the promises of God. That's what the word of God says. So look at your life. Are all things passing away? If not, you should be keeping a sin list. Let me tell you the benefits of having a sin list. First of all, you write it down. I know some of you are lazy. You come to church. You should bring a pen and paper when you come to church. When you don't do that, you dishonor yourself and you dishonor your pastor. Because what you're saying is you don't really believe he's going to speak as the oracles of God. You know, I'm not saying I'm perfect. 
Neither is your pastor perfect. But sometimes we say something and that the Spirit bears witness to what we say. When that happens, that means that we've just spoken the truth to you. And I can be saying something in a message and a person over here could be convicted of one thing and a person over here could be convicted of something completely different. And it's in the same message. That's the spirit can do that. Man can't do that. <coughs> so when that happens, you're supposed to write it down. Otherwise, the devil will steal it. By, the, by next Sunday, you've already forgotten the message. And you haven't had any time to stop and repent. Remember what I told you. At least I made my children sit down for 30 minutes. That's the minimum. To of one thing, of one item, one, one problem. And my children are good at repentance, I guarantee. Some of you would wish you had children like mine. They don't go off and do the same thing again and again. They know how to repent. If I tell them don't do something, I tell you they will stop doing it. Because I train my children in good repentance. But if I come to your house, you'll be telling them again and again the same thing and they won't be repenting. Which means you don't know repentance. You just know how to just forgive somebody and let them go. And you If you want to help your children repent, you stick them on the stairs. You sit them down. And they're not allowed to get up until they tell you why they sin. It may seem hard, but you'll help your children. You must learn good repentance. The church today doesn't know repentance. You just keep doing the same thing and you think God's going to forgive you. Do you understand? Let me, let me just stop here for a and explain one thing to you. Some of you are going to die in this building. If you don't learn good repentance. My Bible says in Colossians 1.13 it tells me that we were all translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Okay, that we were translated. We went up in here. And we were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. <coughs> you need to read that. But when that happened, that was crazy. Because, I mean, that is like blasphemy to a Jew. 
It's like crazy. It's like, it was the Father who did that. In the Old Testament, if you wanted to get to the Holy of Holies, you had to go through the outer court, the inner court, and then finally, and you had to purify yourself, you had to do an offering, and finally, you got to the curtain. The curtain. Amen. But it was too thick. And only the high priest could enter once a year. But you see, things have changed now. We don't need to go through all that stuff. But you see believers living in the past. My, my Bible tells me that I was translated, which means I was in the depths of my sin. I was an enemy of Christ. And I was saved by grace through faith. And I went up in there like this. And I landed right down in the Holy of Holies. That's what the Bible says. Now, if you know that's happened to you, you are in danger of dying. You are in danger of death. Because the high priest went once a year. And he had to purify himself. He had to be holy. And if he had one sin in his life, he died instantly. He had to have a rope tied around his leg. So that if he died in there, you pull him out. This is God. This is the one we're trying to get to know. Now, you can't get to know somebody by just visiting them once a year. But you see, you were translated. But you can't carry on sinning. Now, listen to these words. Now. Don't just, just pause for a and listen carefully. I warn you, you're going to die if you don't do what this says. The scripture says, this in Romans chapter 8, and verse 13, it says, if you continue in the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which you receive by grace through faith, the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, if you put to death that flesh, Amen. you will live. That's the Bible. That's what Paul taught us. And he understood that system. He was from that era. He was a Jew. He knew what it meant for the high priest to go once a year. And I tell you, if you continue now with your reasoning and understanding, you will die. I'm telling you. But if by the Spirit, Holy Spirit, do your will. I don't want to do my will. I want to hear your voice. I want to just do exactly what you want me to do. If you 
pray that and mean that. And you forget your reasoning and understanding. You know, today, you can have a calling of God on your life. And you know that you're supposed to be in ministry. And so you apply to go to Bible school. That's the last place you need to go. Because in Bible school, they'll tell you to lead your understanding. I have seen so many anointed men of God and the Spirit of God is using them. And they go to Bible school and they lose their anointing. Why? Because they will tell you to think. And you must not think. You cannot discern the things of God with your natural mind. So, so now you've got to learn to hear and obey. Let me give you quickly the spiritual system and the natural system of learning. In the natural system, you use your mind. You read a book, you study it, you try to memorize it, you make notes, and you try to pass an exam. And then if you pass it, they give you a certificate. That's not God's way. God's way is opposite to that. You do not study until you're told to study. Do not study until you're told to study. You are not to learn anything until the Holy Spirit tells you. The first lesson is to trust Him. Yes. He'll give you an instruction. He won't make any sense to your mind. You might even doubt it's even the right voice. But He said, do you trust me? Trust me. And if you trust him, you will follow him. You will go that way. Then when you go that way, even though you don't know why you're doing what you why you're doing it, you just do it. then when you get to that place, then God will explain to you why you did it. That is the opposite of the world. Two different systems. But these people who come here with doctorate degrees, if you have a doctorate in theology, and I was overseeing you, I would remove you from ministry immediately. I don't care if you're a professor, you have a doctor's degree. I will remove you instantly from the ministry. And I would cast the demons out of you. you because you need to stop trusting in what you know. Yes. You study theology. And you don't actually ask the Holy Spirit what is going with what verse. I'm Pentecostal, right? I'm Pentecostal. So in my denomination, we have the, I'm part of the largest Pentecostal group in the UK. I have many enemies. 
I have a lot of friends but have many enemies. They say my teachings are hard. They're not hard. 